I'm going to give you a uh, quick guessing game this morning. I don't have any prizes, so if, if you get it right, um, I'll shake your hand after meeting for worship, all right? I'm going to give you some slogans, see if you can guess which product they represent. American by birth, rebel by choice. All right? Harley Davidson. Keeps going and going and going. Yes, yes. When you care enough to send the very best. Yeah. Save money, live better. Very good. I got some. <laughs> the happiest place on earth. Deep River Friends. No, These are easy. Share moments, share life. Yeah, who said Kodak? Very good. Solutions for a smart planet. Who's that? I knew you'd get that, Debbie, IBM. All right, extra credit. The greatest tragedy is indifference. Red Cross. And the last one, science applied to life. There you go, Eddie, 3M, yes. I just wanted to make sure if people who work for these companies knew what their slogans were. <laughs> I've never known you to be worried about answering. All right, slogans. What do they do? Well, they answer the why question. Why do we exist as an organization? Why are we here? They tried to get at that. So what would a slogan be for Deep River Friends? If someone came up to you on the street and said, hey, I understand you go to Deep River Friends, what's your slogan? Now, before you answer that, I got to thinking, well, maybe we could adopt Northwestern Mutual Life. We're the quiet company, but that's too obvious. I've been with Quakers long enough, I thought, well, maybe a good slogan would be, you know, you've got time for us, we've got a committee for you, but I think we want to move beyond that. And then I hope we can move past maybe a slogan like this. Hey, we're pretty old meeting. We're not going anywhere. Let's go with something different. Slogans can't capture it all. I realize that. Sometimes they're just pure marketing and branding. Church is more than a slogan. But just for conversation's sake, let me suggest this. What if our slogan were simply this? And you see it in your bulletin. Making God's love real. We exist to make God's love real. What's the calling to our community? To make God's love real. When we gather as a faith community, what can we do for each other? Make God's love real. Why do we exist in this place for over 260 years? To make God's love real. Simple in its structure. Only four words. But these four words, I think, faithfully lived out, have the power and possibility to transform lives and change hearts of whole communities. Now, is that overstating it a bit? I don't think so. But before we make God's love real, here's the thing. We experience it as our own. I can't give what I don't have. I can't share what I don't possess. I can't talk about something that I know nothing about. So the part to start with is how real is the reality of God's love in your life? And it begins with this. 
And I didn't know if the grammar was right on this. I'm not a very good grammar person. I get corrected all the time. But it starts with this. God cannot not love you. God cannot not love you. In other words, love is the nature of God. It is the ultimate essence of God. We heard the scripture reading this morning, that simple little phrase, God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. To say something is, it describes its being. The very being of God is love. God cannot love not... See, I can't even say it. God cannot not love you. God is always loving. The love of God never ceases. Now, we can't see God. God remains a mystery. So in that way, it's difficult to visualize what this love looks like. So what do I do? What do we do? Well, for me, the best way I get at it is the exact representation of love, which is in the person of Jesus. When we see Jesus, when we read about Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we see love encountering humanity. We see the love of God encountering people. We see God's love made real in the person of Jesus. Now, whether you've done an in-depth study of Jesus or not, when you think of Jesus, what do you think of? When you see Jesus with people, what do you, what do you see? How do you understand? Now, for me, I see warmth. I see acceptance. I see empathy and compassion. I see compassion for those who have misguided priorities and misplaced allegiances. I see one who refuses to condemn people, even when they willfully engaged in acts according to their own religious tradition, probably should get them condemned. I see one who refuses to condemn, who refuses to retaliate, who refuses to hate. I see forgiveness. I see tons of grace and mercy. I see the love of God being made real. Now, Jesus wasn't always like that, to be sure. If you read the Gospels, who did he really get ticked off at the most? Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess it depends upon your perspective, it was the religious people of the day. The one who often acted just a little bit hypocritical, who acted self-righteous because they felt they were the pure ones, who lived lives of religious pretense and self-righteous superiority, devoid of any compassion for those who are broken and on the margins of life. Now, before you think about the fact that I may be talking to you and not thinking of myself, I'm thinking of myself immediately when I say that. I can be that person, and I have been that person. I shared this past week, or this past week, I shared past hour in in the class. An experience has happened this past week which reminded me that I can be that person. As you know that we have here three nights a week, uh, three AA groups that meet. And Thursday night after monthly meeting, uh, we were done and kind of winding up and talking, and, uh, and uh, one of the fellows popped his head in the door and thought he interrupted us, and I said, no, you're fine, you're fine, we're done talking. These Quakers, they just like to hang around and talk after they've been meeting for an hour or so. And so he brought some stuff in, they put their supplies up on the stage. And he looked like he had been through a pretty rough time, quite honestly. He looked like he was pretty tired, uh, pretty disheveled, um, but glad to be there. And I was glad he was there for his sake. I noticed he had on a for some reason, a nice Hawaiian print shirt, which I thought was actually kind of a cool-looking shirt. So anyway, he leaves, and I go out to my car. I'm heading down High Point Road, take that road to New 311. I'm crossing over 311, and the cars are kind of backed up. 
The cars are just going really slow, and I'm tired. It's been a long day. I've been out since 7 in the morning. I just want to get home and sit down and watch TV. That's all I wanted to do. But all I could hear in front of these cars was that little noise, little scooter just putting along. And I thought, are you kidding me? You're taking up the whole road. You're holding everybody up, and you can't even break 20 miles an hour? And by the way, in a sort of judgmental way, you know what we call those scooters, don't you? We call them liquor sickles. So I pull up to the stoplight, and I pulled up right beside that scooter, and I recognized that shirt. It was the guy that I had met in the fellowship hall. The guy that I was so glad he was there to get help all of a sudden became the guy that I was ticked off at because he just wouldn't get out of the way because I wanted to get home. See, it pops up in me too. Every now and then, I get a little bit of moral superiority in my life, and I forget the cost and sacrifice of love. So before you think I'm pointing the finger at you, I'm pointing it at me, at myself. Author and pastor Trevor Hudson writes about comparing God's love to the sun. He says it's the nature of the sun to always give off warmth and light. It always shines. It always radiates. The sun cannot act against its nature, nor can it stop shining. We soak it in, we separate ourselves from it, but the sun always shines. And then he adds this. In the same way, God whom we see in Jesus loves like the shining sun. His love never ceases. We have the freedom to open ourselves to this love and be transformed by it, or we can separate ourselves from it. We cannot stop him from sending out continuously the warm rays of his love. At the heart of the boundless mystery, there is this blazing fire that has created us, searches for us every moment, and desires to bring us along with all of creation into wholeness. In other words, God cannot not love us. God's love continuously streams into creation, streams into the universe, streams into the life, and it never stops. The only thing that can stop it is me. So I think about how about coming out from the shadows of my own sense of shame, my own sense of guilt, my own sense of inadequacy, and just simply soak up the rays of God's love, the love that we see in Jesus. Now, when I think about Jesus, real quickly, how do, I, how do I see that love? Well, I see it in close proximity. In other words, it's all about relationships. Jesus' love was never about loving someone over there. It was always about loving the person in close proximity to him, those right in front of him, those closest to him. You know, often it's the ones that are in close proximity to us that we forget to love because it's not as flashy or doesn't get as much attention. But the opportunity for love to show up is probably right in front of us or maybe beside us or maybe behind us or living with us. But that's loving in close proximity. His love was unconditional without qualification. Jesus never asked whether a person was qualified for love or whether they were valuable enough to love. The love Jesus expressed created love. It honored the value of the other person. Love doesn't demand value. It creates it. When we love others, we are recognizing their value and how important they are to us. Love shows up in actions. 
This is the proverbial rubber meeting the road kind of stuff. It isn't just warm or fuzzy or a nice idea. Love does. It shows up in how he treated people. It shows up in empathy, kindness, compassion, his willingness to listen, the time that he gave to those who were lonely, who were lost, who were confused, who were scared. Earlier in this letter that uh, Joe read, John writes this, Dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let's really show up by our actions. It is by our actions that we know we are living in the truth. That's how love is expressed, not just in words, but what we do and how we do it and how it shows up in our actions with each other, with those that we meet, with those in our faith community. How do I make God's love real in this place, in this moment? And then his love showed up in sacrifice and vulnerability. And this is the part where love will cost. It means giving something up. It means offering ourselves in a sacrificial manner, maybe not to the extent of our physical life, but maybe offering our time, our presence, our resources. Sometimes it means letting go of our ego or our need to always win or be right. Sometimes it means loving others when we know it's a huge risk and that love will not be returned to us. It's, at its ultimate, love shows up sacrificially and vulnerably when we forgive when we let go of past hurts, grudges, and bitterness, and we love the other as God loves them. Now, that's always the hard part for me because I always kind of want something in return. I want what I gave. I want to acknowledge that, I want you to acknowledge that I loved you. This past week, now this is the part that's going to sound a little embarrassing because you're going to think I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm not you want to think that, I'll let you, all right? But what does it look like sacrificially? Now, some of you read about this. It's the only example I can come up with because I don't do this very often. But Friday afternoon, I got home. And I knew Linda works a lot harder than I do, and she does. You know that. And she's been putting about 8 to 10 hours in a week and gets home. She has charting to do and... So I got home, and I just decided, you know what? The house needs cleaning. The laundry needs done. I think I'll just start that for her. And I wanted to make it a surprise. The problem is she got done early. And she says, I got done early. It's about 3 o'clock. I'm coming home. I thought, you just messed up my whole act of love. <laughs> if I'm going to do this, we're going to do it right. Now, I say that only to say this. Guys, you do what you want to do. You're on your own, all right? But I say that to say this. When I say that love needs to be made real, I could have preached about it today, which I am. I could have written about it. I could have blogged about it. I could have sent a check somewhere. But love is always in close proximity, particularly with those that you are with, beside, and around, and who you interact with with. I want to know how you're making it real with them. How you're making God's real with the person you are with every day. Even here. To me, that's life-giving. To me, that makes a difference. Christine Sign, who is an author and writer, came up with this prayer called Immerse Yourself in the Love of God. Immerse yourself in the love of God. 
Be patient as God is patient. Be kind as God is kind. Be selfless as God is selfless. Immerse yourself in the love of God. Rejoice in the truth. Endure all that is bad. Hope for all that is good. Immerse yourself in the love of God. Care for your neighbor. Give to the poor. Speak out for justice. Immerse yourself in the love of God. Love is God's heart. Love is God's language. Love never ends. Immerse yourself in the love of God. And then she writes this. Immersing ourselves in the love of God is not about some warm, fuzzy feeling that makes us glow when we think about God. Nor is it about aggressive approaches to doctrine and theology. It is not our doctrine but our love that shows God to others. Immersing ourselves in the love of God is about immersing ourselves in the situations that break God's heart. Without worrying about whether everyone has crossed their theological T's and dotted their doctrinal I's, it is about seeking to sense God's heart in the midst of a challenging situation and accepting others no matter how differently from us they think. I remember reading this this past week and I really liked it. People don't need our advice, they need our acceptance. They're not looking for our advice. They're looking for our acceptance. Now, I would feel like I'm on shaky ground here this morning if I felt like I were just making all this up. And if this were just my personal preference. But I'm not. Joe read it. Those three words. God is love. And those who have God within them will be known by the love they have for others. And the fullest expression of God in this world shows up when we love others. So here's my challenge. Here's my invitation. What if this week you and I made a conscious effort and practice to make God's love real? I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be a thank you to someone. It could be sending a card to someone. It could be doing an act of kindness for someone you love or someone that you don't even know. But what if we made it a conscious practice to make God's love real? And then next week, for those who are here, and if you can't be here, you can send it in or email it. Next Sunday, we took a few moments to share our experiences of what that looked like. You know, early friends didn't ordain pastors, and we don't ordain pastors now. We record ministers. Recording means that we recognize people's public gifts of ministry. Well, where that came from was early friends, when they went out among the countryside of England, would go and preach, and they would minister, and they would help those in prison, and they would, they would help the poor. And every Monday, they would come and have this meeting. All the ministers and people that spread out among the countryside, they would come back on Monday morning and they would write their name down and they would record their name and where they had been and what they did in the name of Christ. And that's why we got the term recording. So maybe next week what we would do is we'll take a few moments and we will mentally record all that we have done to make God's love real this coming week. And we'll share it. But I guarantee you this. If you do it, it will not go wrong. It will pay off. Maybe not then, but at some point in that person's life.